scary world. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and And it's not not yours. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, stop. Stop. Go, Go back, back to the beginning. Listen from episode one. Grumble Thorpe to my mouth a little bit. Look, it's not about the storyline and following the content of the episode so much as it is about getting to know us as people and the show to, you know, let it lift you up and then, like, leave you down again. Plus, now we've created this hill and I will die on it. So you have yeah. to start at the beginning. It's now it's part of our opening spiel, which you would know if you had already listened from if the beginning. From so the beginning. if it's your first time, again, we... We tell you, stop, you. stop right now. Go back, listen from the beginning. Please. Welcome okay, back. Welcome back. You know, new people that listened from the beginning and old people that listened from the beginning, welcome back. We we love all of you. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, we do. As long as you started from the beginning. You better have. Tell the people about your show, Sarah. They've got one more chance to catch. No. Two more. Yeah, two more, two more weekends. Yep, so... It. As of today, when this comes out, we'll have this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And we close on the 3rd at Allen's Lane Arts Center. It's called The Secretaries. It's a part of Philadelphia Fringe Festival, and it's about a murderous cult of secretaries. And so far, reception has been good. Um, The new executive director of Allen's Lane is going to see it tonight. So, you know, pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, but overall, it's it's been fun. It's been good. It's been really nice to be in front of a live audience and mm. hear a live audience laugh and interact with you again. Yeah, that's been nice. I really nice. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This you're gonna get that soon. Is the opening of Halloween Nights at Eastern State Penitentiary? Boo 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 boo. Ooh, I like that. It's a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so I will be reprising my role of the original character Judy Mae Best as a flapper ghost in Al Capone's Speakeasy, which is a bar that we've set up with live singers around Al Capone's cell in Eastern State. And I'm excited to talk about some of the changes that are coming to this year's event. Um, And Sarah started to ask me about some of them, and I was like, no, I've been holding off telling you some of these exciting changes. Yeah, I don't know these details yet. Because I wanted to put them out in the podcast, too. I want people to hear, and I want people to come to Halloween nights at Eastern State. So one of the first things I'm telling you is that there are 15 attractions this year. Previously, when I was in it two years ago, there were like eight or nine. Wow. So that's huge. They've expanded to the entire prison, so they're taking up a ton of space. Uh, only three of which utilize jump scares. So only three of the 15 attractions are what they are calling quote-unquote scary. I am on board with that so much. And in the past, you have had to go through every single attraction in a linear fashion, one after the other, because they all lead into each other. This year, you have the option to skip certain parts of the haunt. Yeah, so I'm if, actually going to do it this year. So if you're like, I want to go, but I don't want to go to the three scary parts, I don't want to have anybody jump out at me, you can skip the three scary parts and not go to them and still go to all the other attractions that don't include 
scary jump park. Like me. That's what I'm going to do. The oh, speakeasy is still an extra attraction. So it's still an extra charge on top of a regular ticket. Um, but I encourage people to get VIP tickets because they will also be doing um, nighttime like flashlight tours as part of the entire oh, event. So really cool. they're combining a bunch of different events that they've had in the past from regular daytime tours where they take you around the prison and it's very educational and they talk about the history of the prison system. Uh, they had another event called Masquerade, which I never went to, but it was kind of like a, a spooky dance ball that would happen like mm -hmm. in the spring. And then Terror Behind the Walls, which was the previous Halloween event. The idea is that they're combining all of them into one giant after after hours event called Halloween Nights at Eastern State Penitentiary. Um, and I want everybody to come. There are also more <laughs> options for food and alcohol, which is really exciting. Mm. They were talking about this place that has like French toast sticks and like bacon on a stick. And I was like, I want to, I want to go in to the there prison? Um, as part of one of the like spots in the prison. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So I think it's in one of the courtyards. It's not like inside the walls, but like, yes, at yeah. the prison. <laughs> and um, there's going to be like a beer garden. Oh, um, dope as fuck. And so at Speakeasy, you used to be able to, you would get one free drink and then you could buy additional drinks. This year, you only get the one free drink. There are no other drinks. But that's because there are like three other places to drink before you even get to Speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm super excited about it. Some of the new spots are called things like s'mores and lures, where you can buy a s'mores kit and sit by a campfire and hear ghost stories. Ooh. There's one called Tricks and Treats, which I my understanding is it's a little like Wonderlandy, like mystery, like weird, eerie. It's not like I'm gonna jump out and get you. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more of that going on. There's a place called Junkyard Jams that sounds like it's gonna be like stomp, like people like making oh music, gosh. like banging on trash cans <laughs> and stuff. Um so it sounds really freaking cool, and I want everybody to go. And now it sounds like they are making it a much more accessible event. Uh, and they want people to come because a lot of the feedback has been in the past, like, I don't want to do the whole thing. I don't want to do the scary parts. I want to take pictures. They used to not let people take pictures. Now they're like, we have designated areas for people to pull out their phone and get pictures with all the cool stuff that they're yeah. seeing. Um yeah, so it sounds really, really awesome, and I'm excited to be a part of it again as Judy Mae Best at the Speakeasy, and you should all come. It starts this weekend yeah, and runs through the second weekend of November, and I'm there of the 32 nights that it's open. I want to say I have like 26 show nights. Like, I'm there most of the nights yeah. that it is open. <laughs> there are some I'm not. I'm never there on a Wednesday. I'll go ahead and put that out there. Um but otherwise, like, I'm there most of the other nights that are that are open. And I'm very excited. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited to go. So, yeah, those are some of the updates to the Halloween event. And, yeah, I'm ex I was excited to tell you most of all because I was like, yay, now Sarah's actually going to go. I'm going to go. I, okay, so I went. But you did. Mary Angela and I were those people we, who were like, we don't want to do the whole thing. We just want to go to the speakeasy because I know that that's going to be an adequate amount of We basically had to get them a medical exemption to we sure skip did. the entire Absolutely. just to the speakeasy. Yeah, and we did. But see, now they learned and they were like, well, let's but make it accessible the to feedback, these people. Right, and they were like, well, they we've come. heard a lot of people say they want to come, but they don't want to do this part. So now we've limited. There's still some of this for the people that want this. That's still there. But also, you don't have to go in there if you're really like, I don't want to go. You don't have yeah. to. It's okay. Yep. 
because that was me and Mary Angela. We were like, we will, and we did. We're like, we will pay for a full price ticket. We will pay the money. We just mm, don't we make just me do don't it. Don't want to go. Don't make me do it. I just want to go to the speakeasy. So yes, fifteen attractions. Only three of them are scary, I and you that. are able to. Pick and out. choose, like, yeah, where you want to go. And it sounds like it's no longer linear. Like, so you can that sort of is what they're still not oh, okay. fixed on. Cause that was my question was, I was like, I wonder if it's like an amusement park where you can kind of bounce from one to one and then like redo something if you wanted. Um, but for the most part, I think it's still linear, but you have the option to be like, no, I'm going to skip that one and just move through to the next mm. one rather than going through the entire haunt to the next thing. Interesting. Because it sounds like something like the s'mores and lore would be something that you'd want to sit at for a while. Right. And that's outside, obviously, because fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's like outside at one of the back corners, but still within the walls, um, which you've been there. But if you have not been to Eastern State Penitentiary, there is a big wall around the entire penitentiary, right? And then the inside, the prison is basically shaped like a big asterisk inside of a big square, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So the courtyard is all of the area between the asterisk, that is the prison itself, and the walls that hold the prison. Mm -hmm. So S'mores and Lores is going to be in one of those back corners that's still inside the walls of the prison, like, land, but not <laughs> inside, like, the asterisk that is the actual yes. building. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm excited. I can't wait. It sounds really, really cool. It's going to be dope. Big things happening in October. September, yes. October. And you already knew that um, Steve Buscemi does the walking oh, tour. does the walking tour If you do over. the daytime tour, yes, and you get the little headset and you walk around and it tells you, like, what is what, that is voiced by Steve Buscemi. He recorded new material for the nighttime Aww. Halloween nights material that starts with him, like, welcoming you to Halloween nights. Oh, I love that. So I that's love also that, really exciting. I love that they brought him back for the sequel. I know! <laughs> the squeakquel, if you will. The screamquel. The screamquel. Um, I, yeah, like, at one point I reboosted, uh, I reposted a picture in my stories from Eastern State that is just like, wow, like that's what he looks like now. But it's just Steve Buscemi just like standing at a mic and it's him like recording the new material for Halloween nights. Oh, that's precious. Yeah. That's so precious. come out, like come through y'all. It's going to be awesome. It's our season, y'all. It's we got work going on. We got shows. And you know what else we got? Guestoberfest. I love hey. that audio clip. I you're, know. yeah, man, you're getting on those sound clips. You love them. Thank you. They're good. Thank you. Last week's episode was my magnum. Opus. I also loved when you're like, <laughs> tell me when you listen to I it. Was, I texted Stephanie when I was like finished editing and I was like, I'm really proud of this. Please let me know when you listen to it. It was good, man. I'm trying to remember. There was one. Of course, so there were so many, many farts. farts. And there was one fart where I was just like, that's the one. Every night, you know what I mean? Like, you'll hear a bunch of them oh, and they're no, all yes. funny, but then there's one where you're like, that's the fart, though. That was that, perfect. That's the good one. No, I know. I had that a few times while I was putting them in because I've got, Because you, you were recording your own farts, right? That uh, you yes. then put into the yes. audio. So I was like, it, this took a lot of time and a lot of, like, beans. <laughs> but as I was going through all my different fart choices, I'm, like, listening to the preview of them, listening to the clip, <laughs> and, like, trying to find the right fart to fit that moment and yeah. some of them I like meshed together and clipped them together I got real fancy it's with beautiful. it threw in a little Bob's Burgers which I was really excited about I was like oh I gotta put that in there too Guestoberfest so there we go 
I love it. We're moving on up, y'all. Moving on up to the fart side. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready for this? And then now you play that part. Oh, we'll see if I can play that one part of that song. Y'all ready for this? Fart? I know you did. <laughs> I know, I know you, you did, did, but what am I? I know you did, and you're trying to blame me for it, but okay. Because <laughs> the, the viewer, I mean, even if somebody was in the room, they'd was have to say like, the you know, viewers. Yes, I was about to call them the viewers. viewers. The listeners. <laughs> Don't be a butthole. <laughs> Fart. So you're going. What? <laughs> second. Second this time, second. right? Yes, we figured this out. Are we ready? Did we? Is anyone ready? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Y'all, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Well, first of all, I'm not talking about ghosts today. Okay. I am going to talk about a serial killer, and I'm going to put it out there because I'm talking about a serial killer. It's, it's content warning. Content warning. That's it's pretty th- violent. Makes sense, but most, I mean, in general, our show is probably content warning. Correct. But you understand, Sarah. And the listener, I want you to know in case you're like, "Mm, no, not into that. But I'm going to be talking about a Russian serial killer known as the chessboard killer. He has a few different other names as well. But his real name (laughs) is Alexander Pachuskin. All right. Okay. So... Pachuskin was born April 9th, 1974, and he was born and raised in Moscow, Russia. Very normal, happy kid um, by, you know, by his mother and all other accounts. He was very sociable. By, like, Russian standards. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Uh, But, like, he was a really sweet, very, like, bubbly, normal, happy kid. Okay. One day when he was four years old on the playground, he fell backwards out of a swing and when he sat up, the swing came back and oh. smashed him right in the forehead. Mm, sandwiched his brain with hits. So I would like to point out to you, because I think this is the episode that we recorded three times and never actually released. But you would remember, and we'll be telling the listeners for the first time maybe, about Phineas Gage, the person who had the rod that went through yes. his the front of his head. Yes. Um, that was a long time ago, but oh, we recorded that, that episode multiple times, and I don't think it was ever actually released because we lost it like three times, and I think we gave up on it. I think you're right. I'm I, not I, sure. I'm pretty sure I blacked you, it out. You, the listener, you just you just binged all of our episodes. Have you heard the Did name Phineas Gage? Um, I don't think that you have. So just in case, a quick wrap of his story. He was he was working on the railroad all the live long day. Uh, and a rod got, until one day. Until one day, a rod went through. Um, at such an angle through his head and through his brain that pierced one of his eyes and went up through the prefrontal cortex of his brain. And the thing is, he didn't die and he didn't lose all motor function, but he did become a totally different person. Didn't he become a huge dick? And he became a big dick. Yes, (laughs) you're absolutely correct. People said that he became like really just nasty, like a mean guy. 
uh, after that. And it wasn't just like, you know, I survived this horrible thing. Like his whole personality was different. Yeah. And it led, there have been a lot of studies since then, but what we know uh, is it led to the discovery of what goes on in that part of the brain. That part of your brain controls kind of who you are and your personality and just how you interact with the world. So when there's damage to that part of your brain, it really, really affects who you are as a person. And this little boy, Alexander Pachuskin, who was four at the time, in children, that part of the the whole skull in general is significantly smaller and thinner. And so that hit to his brain would have been even more traumatic because he was so small at the time. Mm, Yeah. After that happened, after that damaged his prefrontal cortex from the swing, knocking him in the face. Did it become a huge dick? His mother said that he became increasingly hostile and aggressive. Wow. And eventually she was forced to take him out of mainstream school and put him into a school for children with learning disabilities. One, because he was a little bit different, but two, because he was just being bullied and harassed so much by children in the mainstream school. Because so, he was being a jerk, or is, did he have like a disfigurement? Because he got smacked. He in the head? he didn't have a disfigurement, but it did like make him a little like just a little slower on the uptake, from my understanding. Because okay. we'll get into it a little bit more. But he was being bullied a lot and called names that we don't use anymore, like that uh, kind of being bullied. Yeah. Right. Okay. So she took him out of that school and she put him into another school, and he. After being switched out of schools, like, he became even more, like, angry and hostile because that didn't really end the bullying. He just wasn't in the same school with those kids. But if they saw him, like, around the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. they still, like, gave him shit. This never sat right with his maternal grandfather, so his mom's father, who said that Pachuskin wasn't differently abled, that he was a very smart, gifted boy. He just wasn't being like, challenged and educated in ways that, like, could work with him and that he had a lot of, a lot going for him if people just knew how to, like, work with him and put him in the right place. All right, Grandpa, way to be progressive. So in, by the time he was, like, in his early teens, his grandfather took him out of school and he was living with his grandfather who encouraged him to find his interests or whatever he wanted to work on outside of school. And one of the places he used to take him was to play chess in the park with the old men in the park. He very, very quickly learned how to play chess, and he excelled at it. Beating these old men who played for years, like their whole lives. They sit there and they play chess all friggin' day. And he was, like, killing them. Not in real life. (gasps) Parentheses yet. (laughs) I was like, But he was dominating, okay? And he took that very seriously. And his grandpa was like, see, chess, that's his thing. I told you he's really smart. You just got to find the right thing that he's, like, super into. So he was regularly. Is that what grandpa says when he starts killing, too? (laughs) See, he found his thing. He just had to find his thing that he's into. Right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So he was regularly playing and beating elderly men in Bitsa Park. So Bitsa Park is basically the Central Park of Moscow. Okay. But it's way bigger than Central Park because New York is tiny. So, and for some perspective, Central Park is about 843 acres. Bitsa Park is about 2,700 acres. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like three times the size of of Central Park. That's important. (laughs) But that's where he likes to go. 
He likes to go every day with his grandpa to go play chess at Bitsa Park and like just, just kill it. Show these old men what's up. So he was still being harassed and bullied by like the mainstream school children. Mm-hmm. And he said that dominating in chess really helped him channel some of that aggression. Was just like playing through chess and being like, I fucking own you. Around the time that he was 15 years old, his grandfather passed away. Oh, no. And because of this, he had to move back in with his mom, and he had to go back to the mainstream school. Oh, no. With the kids who were bullying him. Around this time, he began drinking vodka with the old men in the park that he would play chess with. And he would drink heavily. Mind you, he's like 15. And he's 15? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when in Russia. (laughs) literally (laughs) so he would drink to excess like tons and tons of vodka with these old men and what everybody seemed to notice was that as he would keep drinking it really didn't seem to affect his chess game he would just get angrier (laughs) oh no he's just an angry good chess player it would just increase his confidence and his aggression but he was still a very skilled chess player Mm -hmm. Pachuskin he decided he was like, okay, this isn't this rush of beating old men at chess, like, isn't doing it for me anymore. Let me try beating old men. No. Oh. It gets weird. He's a weird guy. Uh oh. So, and he's still, it hasn't escalated to killing yet. Yet. I mean, we know that's where it's going to go. So he hangs out in the park all the time and he sees children all the time. So, what he starts to do is he starts to carry a video camera anytime he knows he's going to be around kids and he will follow them with the video camera. And like taunt them, and he'll. So he becomes a bully. Yes. Uh. Now, mind you, this time he's like fifteen, sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So um, he would threaten them, he would harass them, and just follow them around like with a camera and be like, "I'm gonna fucking beat the shit out of you, kid!" Like just intimidating little kids. Oh my gosh. On one occasion uh, that has been made public, he held a young child upside down by one leg. And said to the camera, you're in my power now. I'm going to drop you from a window that's 15 meters high to your death. 15 meters in American is about 50 feet. But he was like holding a little kid by the ankle and on doing this on camera. And he's like, I'm going to drop you out of a window and fucking kill you. Like shaking this little boy. Yes. He would then watch the videos repeatedly to reaffirm his power. Right. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't, don't feel like, good. No, I feel. It's tough. Ugh, okay. You're like, what is this dude? What is this dude gonna do? What is happening? Yeah, I'm just like, this is this is escalating. So by 1992, when he was 18, oh, no. Alexander Pachuskin decides that the taunting videos are not doing enough not for doing him anymore, it. and he wants to start acting on his violent urges. Oh no! So he invited a classmate whose name was Mikhail Odachuk to join him on a killing spree. He was like, "You want to go find somebody to kill?" And what did his friend say? Oh. Odachuk was like. Thinking it, he thought it was a joke. He was like, "Yeah, let's fucking yeah, let's go kill somebody. Sure, why not?" (laughs) Yes. Uh oh. So he agreed, thinking it was a joke, and like he went along with him. And they're looking for somebody to to murder who's an easy target. When Pachuskin realized that Odachuk was not taking it seriously and thought it was a big fucking joke, he was like, "I found my victim." Oh, I was gonna say, is he like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna kill you first. Right? He killed Mikhail. He was like, oh, you think this is a fucking joke? You think this is a game? Yeah. You think this is a fucking game? And then he killed him. Wow. Mm -hmm. How did he kill him? Um, Blunt force trauma. I'm not sure with what. 
for this specific instance. I hope it was fast. I hope Poor so kid. Too. Right. He was, was his only friend. I don't even know if he was a friend. He was just some guy who he was classmates with. And the guy was like, yeah, whatever, weirdo. Let's go kill somebody. Oh, man. Yeah. So Pachuskin was questioned, but no charges were ever filed because they didn't really have anything. Because who was he going to tell? You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody knew what they were doing. They, yeah. they were just two people hanging out. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he fell in his head or whatever. That same year, according to Pachuskin, later. Yeah. A friend of his was dating, like, a girl that he used to date. And he went up to that guy's apartment and pushed him out of a window. That guy died. And, again, Pachuskin was questioned by police, but the death was ultimately ruled a suicide. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. So now he's like, I can get away with this. I don't know if he's like, I, and partially he's like, I got away with this, but I think he got spooked for a little while because he didn't kill anybody for nine years. Huh. So he killed two people, and he didn't kill anybody dormant. for nine years. Interesting. What was he doing during those nine years? Um, chess? <laughs> do you know who Bailey Sarian is? Yes. Bailey Sarian, yeah, she does murders uh, and mystery and makeup. Um, she talked about this story, and she said something about how he was getting buff. Like, she had, like, a little asterisk that so was like, I think he's at this time getting buff. Because when you see him again later as an adult, like, he's, like, a pretty, like, ripped guy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like he just spent that time working out, I guess. That was how he was like, I guess I won't kill people. But nine years later, uh, he had what is in this time called the sewers period. And you'll hear, you'll you'll understand why. why? Okay. So he he was 27. He was working at a grocery store and most of his coworkers would describe him as quiet, a little strange, but pretty charming. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. He was really into drinking and playing chess. Like, that was his thing. He would go to the park, he would drink, and he would play chess. One day, mind you, he hasn't killed anybody in, like, nine years. <laughs> there is a guy he used to play with called named Yeve. Yeve was a homeless elderly man who would hang around Vista Park and play chess. And he told Yev that his dog had just died, which was true. And he was like, I buried him in the park. When we finish this round of chess... Will you go with me and we're going to go toast my dead dog where I buried him in the park? And the guy's like, yeah, dude, of course. Like, I feel you. That sounds really sad and I want to be there for you. Oh, no. I know. It's it's awful. Oh, no. Yeve oblige. I don't know if it's Yev or Yev. Um, Yev obliges and they go out to where he said the dog was buried. They have a toast. And then Pachuskin hit him over the back of the head from behind, which that's his M.O. Okay. And he threw his body into the sewer. Ugh. Like, there are wells in the park that lead down into the sewer of yeah. Moscow. And his new MO became hitting homeless, getting homeless people out by a sewer gate away from where anybody would see them, bashing them over the back of the head, and throwing them into the sewer. And over uh, the next few months, so less than a year, with that being his MO, he killed over 20 people. In a matter of months. What? Yes. Most of his victims being elderly homeless men. Oh, my gosh. Because they were, quote, unquote, easy targets. Yeah, and no one's looking for them. No one's looking for them. And at the time in Moscow, somebody had to be missing for, this is wild, three days before you could report the missing. Can you imagine? So many people die in the first two. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. 
So one, these are mostly people who nobody is reporting missing. Mm -hmm. And two, even if somebody wants to report them missing, they have to be missing for at least three days before somebody can report them missing. So these are people that it's pretty easy for him to pick off. But did word start getting out amongst like the homeless guys? So I was like, just about to say, don't go I don't know with him. I was gonna say, I don't know if he was running out of chess players. <laughs> he was running out of chess friends, and he was like, I gotta switch it up. But he decided to switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in February of 2002, he decided he was gonna start attacking women and children. Ugh. He targeted a woman named Maria. He lured her to a secluded area, uh, and he said he was selling her something. I have not been able to find what she said he was selling her, some sort of black market something. But he was like, come over this way. I'm going to show you my wares. Like, Let's go over to this secluded area by, by, a <laughs> by sewer. sewer gate. Yeah. And they got over there, and he bashed her head into the wall, like, repeatedly, Aww. and pushed her into the sewer. Maria survived. Did she live? Oh. She got out of the sewer. She went to a hospital and she began speaking with police and they asked her for her papers. <gasps> and Maria was living in Moscow illegally. And basically the police were like, well, now did they arrest her? We'll ignore that you're living here illegally if you just forget this ever happened. <laughs> We'll forget this ever happened. You forget this ever happened. We'll what? just go our separate ways. What? Yes. And so she kept quiet. Did she move away? I don't I don't know what she chose to do after that. She wow. ended up coming forward much later. That's mm -hmm. how we know about her, obviously. Yeah. But at the time, she was like, I guess I just don't tell anybody this happened to me. That's wild. Yes. Okay. Y'all, Russia is crazy. I don't ever want to go there. It's it's nuts. And over the next two weeks after that incident, Petushkin killed three more people. So by 2005, he had amassed over 40 victims. Wow. Moving into his next MO. Because that was the sewer period. Okay, so now he's going to switch it up so again. Now he's going to switch it up again. Wow. And is that how he's, I guess, it being people that no one is looking for, and then I guess when they find the bodies, they don't do anything about it, or they're not really looking Right, there isn't really something that's too similar about any of the murders, mm -hmm. other than, like, they happened around <laughs> Central Park, roughly. They happened around Bitsa Park, and their bodies were found in the sewer. So and it all happened in like two months. That, Ten homeless so, guys washed up. Yeah, the homeless guys happened in a matter of like months into a year. Because by, like I said, so by 2005. So that was between 2001 and 2005. Mm -hmm. So in like a four-year period, he killed like 40 people. Wow. Yes. So then he's like, I got to switch it up again. Yeah. Yes. He was like, I'm bored. This isn't really doing it for me anymore. I've got to come up with like a new thing. Is he the jigsaw killer? Is this the jigsaw killer story Girl. about how he... Uh, this is what's referred to as the open period. I hate that these are categorized in periods, which makes me think that there's going to be another one after this one. So I'll... Spoiler alert. I'll let you know this is the last period. Okay. Because this became so, like, these are undeniably the same person did this. Okay. It gets to a point where it stops being like, maybe? And they're like, this is definitely the same guy. But that's because it's really awful. So... 
Um, by this time, the rush of killing was no longer satisfying enough. His new MO was to kill by repeatedly uh, hitting them with a hammer to the back of the head. And then I hadn't, I didn't find the size of it. I don't know if it's airplane or like full 40, but he would put a bottle of vodka into the opened wound, like shove a bottle of vodka in there and leave it in there. And that was his thing. Was it a full bottle or was it empty? So I don't know if it was an open bottle, a closed bottle. I don't know if it was an airplane bottle. I don't know if it was like a 40 milliliter bottle. I don't know the size of what it. What if it was what? Have you seen those huge gray oh. bottles? <laughs> but his new MO was to bash the back of their head open with a hammer and then shove a vodka bottle inside and then leave them like that with a vodka bottle just shoved in their brain. Yeah. Was he was he brand loyal? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was homemade. I don't know if it was beef eater. I don't know if it was store-bought. You know, I don't know. I just know that he put vodka bottles in their brains, and I don't know why. I don't know no, why. No, that's messed. I mean, just, I guess. He was like, I got to do something different. Nobody's ever done this. No, I, yeah. You know, got to give him points for originality, I guess. <sighs> so. Weird DIY crafting phase he went through. We get to his last, who would be his last victim. Okay. A woman named Marina Moskalova. She worked at the grocery store with him, and he had a little. He may have had a little crush on her. Really, it's I guess he just you know he wanted to kill her is what his little crush was in mm-hmm. reality. But he like had this little thing for Marina, and he asked her out on a date for a picnic in the park. Oh no! So she had a little boy at the time, and she left her boy with the babysitter, and she said, "Just in case anything goes wrong, because I'm a woman going on a date." His name is Alexander Pachukov, <laughs> and or, um, and this is where we're going. Pachukin, this is his phone number. This Good. is his name and his phone all right. number. All right, smart. So if and she's not thinking if anything happens to me, she's like, "You're babysitting my little boy. If something happens to my son and you need to get a hold of me, this is who I'll be with." That was her mentality, not like something's going to happen to me. Mm. So in case of an emergency, like if you need to get a hold of me, this is who I'll be with. This is where I'll be. When she did not come home, and by this time the laws had changed about how long somebody could be missing. Thank God. When she did not come home, the babysitter called the police, and she was like, she said she was going out with this guy. This is his name. This is his phone number, Alexander Pachuskin. So surveillance, they started, like, trying to find evidence against him, right? And surveillance footage was found of Alexander Pachuskin and Marina leaving the metro station together a few hours before her death. And there's footage of the two of them, and it looks like they're holding hands. They might just be really close to each other. But the two of them just walking down the platform, leaving the metro station. And that was probably them leaving to go to the park Mm. where she was then murdered by his regular MO, hammer to the back of the head, vodka bottle. Wow. Yeah. So when the police finally apprehended Alexander Pachuskin, not only was he very quick to confess, he told them basically like, you didn't find me. Let's be real. Like, (laughs) I've been doing this for a long long time, time, leaving you all kinds of shit. And you're just like, now that you found me, like, here's what's up. So he didn't only confess to killing her. But dozens of people, he also walked them through bits of park and was like, dropped a body here, dropped a body there in that well. 
He was taking them everywhere, showing them all of the places where he had killed and dropped people. He was creating reenactments, which was normal police procedure at the time. They'd be like, why don't you just act it out for us? So he was like doing very like vivid reenactments for them. Some of them the police filmed for evidence where they're like, okay, show us what you did. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes. He loved the attention. I was going to ask, was he into it? He loved it. Sounds it sounds like it. Uh, he was very gleeful in his retellings, and he loved people sitting around wanting to hear him talk about all these things that he did because he was just so creative and interesting. He said that killing made him feel like God, and it was the only time that he really lived was when he was taking life. That killing to him was what food was for other people. Like, that was how strong his need to kill was. And that he felt like he was a father to all of his victims because of his sending them to to another world by killing them. So, like, he was Dude, helping them start their new you. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ten of his victims lived in the same four-building apartment complex as him. So it was an apartment. And the police didn't. Oh. No. And the police didn't piece that together early on to start looking for people like in that apartment complex. Because they're all drinking vodka all day. Ten of these fucking people are from the same. Now, and like some of them were from the same building, but the whole complex was only four buildings. And ten people out of the dozens of people that he killed were out of those four buildings. If you're wondering how he chose his targets. They were people that were like nearby Mm -hmm. that he had a good look at. So they did a psychiatric evaluation of him, and they found him sane and competent with it to a stand trial, but they said that he had antisocial and narcissistic personality disorder. For his own protection during his trial, he was kept in a bulletproof glass cage inside the courtroom so that, like, people couldn't, like, wow. bust in and, like, try yeah. and shoot him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He bragged and relished recounting his crimes at the trial he was convicted of 48 murders, three attempted, but he insisted there had been 11 murders that he was not properly charged and credited with, and he was, like, mad about it. He was like, I want credit for all of the people I killed, and primarily he wanted to have a higher kill count than Andre Chikatilo, who before that, or, well, and still after that, because he wasn't convicted of as many, um, he, like, held the record in Russia for, like, a serial killer. He had been convicted of 52 murders, but oh he gosh. said he had killed over 56 people. But um, Pachuskin really was like, I was only convicted with 48. I killed 61 people. Like, I killed them. I want everybody to know I killed 61 people. Three people got away. It is said that he kept a chessboard with a record of his say, victims. Did he have a diary? Yeah. And that his goal was to kill 64 people because that is the number of Squares. spots on a on a chessboard. Um, that that was initially his goal, but he also did say that if the police hadn't caught him, he probably would have kept killing. Yeah, I was like, he's, he was that. just going to be like, oh, well, can I fill up a second chessboard? The end. He was sentenced to life in prison. He is currently serving uh, life in prison with the first 15 years being in solitary confinement. Wow. And he is currently serving that solitary confinement at a place. I Googled this and I want to find more about it and I can't find any more about it other than it exists at an Arctic penal colony. What? Yes. 
called the Polar Owl. That's the name of that. Polar Owl. That's the name of his specific one that he is at. But that made me be like, what? And Google it. There are... So remember, it wasn't that long ago when I was talking about them shipping people away to, like, the Americas or Australia, like, as a penal colony. Like, you're being extradited and you're going to stay there and that's where you live now. There are sending people to the North Pole. There are penal colonies colonies in the Arctic where they send people to go live. That's your prison as you go live in the fucking North Pole. Look out for Santa Claus. And bears. And bears, (laughs) which are, I mean, I I would say a real threat, but maybe less now because, you know, the ice caps are melting. That's got to also make your prison. Go live on this Uh, melting ice rock. That's uh, your punishment for life. But he is currently serving his solitary confinement at the Arctic penal colony known as the Polar Owl. Wow. And that's my Crazy. story this week. Crazy. Isn't that fucking nuts? Yeah. I don't think I ever want to go to Russia. <laughs> I haven't found a reason yet I to really want to go. I really don't think I want to go. I mean, you know, I'm an American and I've watched a lot of 80s movies where, like, the Russians were the bad guys. So I know that might be biased. But then I hear about these but things man, that happen. Like I have not heard a lot of good stuff that's like, come to Russia. They're like, we don't like the gays. It's cold. And we drink potato vodka and we hate people. We and hate I'm like, people. none of that sounds like my vibe. Like, none of that. <laughs> no wonder you're all so angry and mean. Sorry if we have any Russian fans. But also, like, isn't that, that what it's do. like? That is my understanding of what your country is like. Well, you remember my tale about Anatoly Moskvin, Moskvin who yeah, was the dude who... With the children, had right? the children. Yes. He made dolls. He dug up these children's bodies, turned them into dolls, and kept them in his parents' house. Y'all, Russia's crazy. Russia, no thank you. No, I'm a rush you. on out of there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to never rush by. I'm, I'm, I don't even want to go... I don't want to think about it. I mean, that's, you know, even like you can't all the land wars. Nobody can ever take Russia because Russia's like, we dare you. And then people dare you. People get there and then they see it and they talk to the people and they're like, oh, we don't want this. They get there and they're like, fuck, this is cold. And then the Russians come out and they're like, you think, you know, the cold. I was born in it. I've read. They do the whole Bane speech, but about the colds. Like that's Russia. That's fine. You stay in the cold. We're like, got it. We're going to go over here. I I made a wrong turn. I guess we'll invade Poland instead. Google maps took us the wrong way. We didn't intend to be wrong turn in Albuquerque. I am so sorry. And here we are in Russia. And we wish we weren't. Sarah, All what are you right. talking about? From Russia with rage. Ru- <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about this week? Oh, I need to do a big stretch first. Okay. Well, this week is something that is very relevant and is happening right now. And I don't know if you've seen it, but if you're on social media, it's probably popped up. And like me, you didn't really look at it until I started looking at it two or three days ago. Bring it on. And that is, have you heard about this missing woman Gabby Petito. So I saw a post probably on like shit you should know about. Yep. But I did not look did look into, into it. it. So it kept popping up on my Facebook. I was seeing little snippets on Reddit, little snippets, Gabby Petito, missing. Well, I kept seeing missing woman, missing woman. And I was like, what? You know, they're all over the place. I'm going to tell you I'm a real asshole. And I looked at it and I was like, it's a missing white, missing woman. white lady all over international news. Yes. Yes. Nah. So 
I'll be very frank. That was that was my reaction to it. I will say, the more as I've researched this and I've been following it over the last like few days, one thing in my mind is, would this be as big of a national attention if it wasn't two white people? Probably not. However, this case is wild. wild. <laughs> and I have, and I'm ready. And like, I'm ready. I will say this, like with Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell, which is still an ongoing case, but I didn't jump into that case until those children were found. found. When I was doing my research for Lori and Chad, I was listening to podcasts who had covered the case real time while JJ and Tylee were still just missing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I feel like I'm at with this case. I'm okay. on it at the beginning. So. Here's what has happened Bring so it. far. I'm ready. Gabby Petito, she's a 22-year-old tiny little white girl. Mm -hmm. All over Instagram. Very basic. She have a lot of followers? I think a medium amount of followers. Sure. To do the thing that she went and did recently, she had just recently quit her job to try to be a vlogger. Got you. Anyways, Gabby was reported missing on September 11th. No good things happen on September 11th. Just Whoa. saying. Of this year? Like last this year. weekend? Okay. Yes. Well, yes. two weekends ago, probably by the time you're listening to this. Yes. This I've, is this I was is in all, DC on September 11th. This is all current. Yes. So she was reported missing on September 11th. From where? Where does she live? She, I'll get to that. Okay. She had been on a trip across the country with her boyfriend parentheses fiance question mark oh i love a more question about mark. that end parentheses a little later yes <laughs> she had been on a trip across the country with that her partner when her partner arrived back at his parents home on september 1st in the van that they had taken together without her here's what we know my head just slightly cocked Yes. But I'm I'm still, I, for you know, for the listeners at home. He rolled up to mom and dad's house in the van and they were like, where is Gabby? And he was like, I don't know her. He was like, who? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I imagine happened. Here's what we do know. Gabby, Gabby Petito. She is from Long Island. So she's from New York. She has a good relationship with her family. That's one thing you want to, she, her parents are separate, are divorced. Okay. Both remarried, but she's close with both of them. She has constant contact with both of her parents. Okay. She's been described as fun loving, full of life, charismatic, like just a very, you know, nice, pleasant young woman. Sure. Uh, she met boyfriend fiance, Brian Laundry. Oh, you know how we feel we about Brian's. Woo! I take a breath. Okay, go on. Uh, in high school, and though they were just friends, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm already suspicious. Like, obviously. Oh, well, just wait. I mean, we knew because he was the one that she was with anyway. But and then of he's course named his Brian. Name is fucking Brian. Yep. Yeah. Run, ladies. If his name is Brian, deal breaker. We should go. Deal breaker. You probably should should leave. Uh, they were friends, but the two didn't start dating until 2019. So, so 2019, they started a relationship. Brian, his family is from Florida and they live in. <laughs> oh my God. They live this in Florida. It just gets worse. But he went to high school with Gabby in New York. I'm not totally sure, sure of how about. that okay. happened, but whatever. His family lives in Florida. Not long after the two of them started dating, they moved down to Florida with Brian's family and Gabby lived with Brian and his family 
in their house. Okay. That's where they were living. In 2019, 2020? 2019, 2020. Pandemic happens. Yeah, panty happens. Well, July of 2020, Brian and Gabby get engaged. And I'm pretty sure it either happens at Brian's family's house or a family friend's house. Because that's where they're at in Florida. Yes. So they get engaged. Now, between that time and where we are now, slash them leaving, they were on again off. They have postponed the the engagement to a degree. They had just sort of put it on pause. So he is her fiancé, but things... You know, there's a little bit of trouble in paradise. Sure. He's 23. She's 22. They're young. There's probably a lot of emotions. It feels like they were kind of an on again. Then they would fight, have a little bit of distance, come back again, fight, have a little bit of distance, come back again. Sure. So they got engaged in July of 2020. The engagement has since been postponed. I think it might be postponed indefinitely at this point. But all that to say, fast forward to another year, this year, June 2021. June 2021, the two of them travel back up to New York to see Gabby's younger brother graduate from high school. At this time, the two of them are also planning this cross-country trip. So they, the two of them are... Gabby and Brian still? Gabby and Brian. Gabby and Brian are, they had this dream of traveling across the country in a van that they had outfitted to be a camper and take pictures and do like a, you know, zero waste. Instagram, zero waste. Vlog. You know, little, they're baby hippies. Yeah. Like, trying their best, but they're not. They're going to go to the garden. The garden. Everybody come to the garden. Yes. They would go to the garden. I bet they would. Brian, another notable thing is the boy loves to be barefoot. That's his thing. He wants to be barefoot all the time. I mean, I do too, but I don't base my whole personality around But, like, are you going to go to the Grand Canyon and walk around barefoot in the Grand Canyon? No. uh, Brian does. I probably would have open-toed shoes, though. That's, but I would, but still, not would barefoot. Be, I would still not be totally barefoot. That's one thing about uh, barefoot. So they, yeah, they're these like little baby hippies <laughs> doing their thing. But it should be noted that even though they have this whole lifestyle vlog, we're eco-friendly, no trash, blah, blah, they're not experienced campers. They're not experienced like nature survivalists. That's not what they are. They've outfitted their van as they a camper. A cool van, and they're, they're going to national parks. Going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally on board with the kind of people that they are. There you I go. get it. And it is cute. Her Instagram posts are very cute. She's a very pretty young lady. I get it. The aesthetic. She did a good job. She did a good job. July of 2021, they've got the van, and they leave New York to set out on their adventure. They're taking a 2012 Ford, like, Econo van that they've outfitted, and the van is registered in Gabby's name. Okay. So they, boop, jet set out to go on their adventure. At this point, I'm going to pull up the timeline because we're only two months away from now, and I've got a whole timeline. So throughout July, Gabby and Brian go to Monument Rocks, Great Sand Dunes National Park and Preserve, and they find themselves visiting national parks throughout southern Utah. They're taking pictures of all of these. They're going to these parks. One thing to note, too, with all of Gabby's Instagram posts, she usually makes really long captions, like most white women. Having a great time. I look out at the landscape, and I see this, and throw your trash away, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. July 31st, 
Gabby posted another photo from Canyonlands National Park in Utah, and then she had a 12-day absence from Instagram. So no posting for 12 days. And before that, she'd been posting daily? Yes. Okay. August 12th, they're in Moab, Utah, and the police get called on Gabby and Brian for a domestic dispute. So they're out in front of, I'm trying to remember if this tells me the name of the store. So they were out in front of like a Whole Foods, but in Utah. Like <laughs> So that, whatever the Utah equivalent of Whole Foods of is. Of like a neighborhood healthy food market. And they get into an argument. They get into a fight. It escalates. Gabby's like crying and she apparently slaps Brian in the face. And then Brian apparently takes her by the face and pushes her back. And then he goes to get into the van to like put distance between the two of them. And Gabby finds her way back into the van and then they leave the parking lot. And someone who had been working at Utah Whole Foods called the called police. The yeah. By the time the police got there, the two, the couple was gone They're and they gone. apprehended them. I don't know apprehended, but they caught up to them uh, a few miles down. They say that the police report states that the van was traveling at 45 miles an hour in a 15 mile an hour zone. Jesus. And recently, as of, I think, Thursday, they released the full body cam footage from when they pulled over Gabby and Brian. Gabby is visibly upset, crying. She tells the police officer that she suffers from anxiety and OCD and she'd been having like a really bad mental health day and that her and Brian had just been fighting all day long and that it just escalated into what happened in the parking lot. But that they were okay and everything was fine. Yes. Brian sort of said the same thing. He was like, I suffer with anxiety too, but it is not as bad as Gabby's. And yes, we've just been fighting all day. So for once, to a degree, the cops kind of do the right thing. And they're like, okay, you guys are both having a bad mental health day. And he separated them. So he said, Gabby, you're going to take the van. You're going to go somewhere else for the night. I'm taking Brian. I'm taking him to a hotel room. I'm not going to tell you what hotel room it is. I want the two of you to stay away from each other and out of contact for the rest of the night so that you can calm down. Not, I, I, honestly, not a bad they way tried, to handle it. I they guess. Tried. So, and of course, throughout this too, Gabby, both Gabby and Brian insist that And this they, is like two months ago that this happened. This was August 12th. So this was like a month ago. A month ago. They're both saying, you know, we love each other. We're in, we're engaged. We're going to be married. We don't want to press any charges. Like, we love each other. And uh, so they separate for the night. August 13th, Brian's posts. That was his last Instagram post. So he was also posting on the two of them were doing their posting and they were going to be vlogging together on their YouTube account. August 19th is when Gabby launches their YouTube account. The YouTube account is called Normatic Static, spelled S-T-A-T-I-K, because they're quirky like that. And it was originally created back in 2013, but nothing had been posted until the single video, Van Life, Beginning Our Van Life Journey, that was uploaded on the 19th, which you can find online. It's the two of them with kind of a collage of the pictures of where they've been so far, talking about their experiences camping in the van. August 19th. On August 21st, Gabby FaceTimed with her dad. Uh, she was in Salt Lake City, Utah, said she was having trouble with the Wi-Fi. And so he 
made an Uber Eats order for Gabby that was delivered to her at the hotel, and that was the last time that her father had contact with her. So she had been FaceTiming her dad and her mom while she was on this trip. I think she was calling her mom almost every day, just filling her in on where she was and what had been going on. August 24th is the last time that Gabby and Brian are seen together at a hotel in Salt Lake City, Utah, so in Utah. August 25th, Gabby makes her last post to her Instagram account in which she's holding a tiny little crochet pumpkin and the caption just says, Happy Halloween. And this is in August still? This is in August. Also, all of her other captions are super long. Are paragraphs long. There's no location information with the photo. So there's no, otherwise she'd been doing location stamps. I'm in this national park. I'm in this national park. No location stamp with this post. However, the mural in the photo appears to be that of one known to be at the Monarch in Ogden, Utah, which is about an hour drive from Salt Lake City. So it kind of puts her in the area. Uh, This is also the 25th is the last day that she speaks with her family, having FaceTimed with her mother that day. At the time, Gabby tells her mom that she's in Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming. They're supposed to be there for around two to three days. On August 27th and the 30th, Gabby's mother received a few text messages from Gabby throughout the 27th, 28th, and the 29th. However, her mother now feels that those messages were not from Gabby. Gabby. And that, of course, is what I was wondering about the Instagram post. Like, did she actually post that Instagram post? Yep. There's a text message on the 30th, which is the last correspondence that her mother receives, and it just reads... No service in Yosemite. Yosemite is in California and nowhere near the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. It was not on the original itinerary. No further information was given, nor were any other photos sent to Gabby's mother. September 1st, Brian pulls his ass into his parents. In Florida. In Florida, in the van with no sign of Gabby. By himself. On September 10th, Gabby's father, Joe, calls in a welfare concern at the address where she lived with Brian and his parents. September 11th. And are her parents still in New York? Gabby's Gabby's dad is in Florida, not near where Brian's parents are. Gabby's mom is in New York. Gabby's mother and stepfather on September 11th file the report that she is missing. Despite efforts by police and the FBI... Brian and his parents have refused to talk. As soon as Brian got home in the van, he got a lawyer. Brian has not, as far as we know, Brian has not spoken to the police at all. Everything has gone through either his parents or, first and foremost, his attorney. Gabby's parents, her mother and her father, have been reaching out to Brian's parents since September, like, 1st and 8th, asking, where's Gabby? They will not respond to them at all. These are two sets of parents that were at the engagement. (sighs) Wow. So, on September 14th, the police find the van at Brian's parents' house, and they confiscate the van. They cannot talk to Brian. And he issues a statement from his lawyer. 
There's been a lot of statements back and forth, and I want to read all of them. So on the 14th, the police spokesperson first said that they took the van away from Brian's parents' house. It is being processed for any evidentiary value possible. They went on to confirm that while law enforcement has not yet spoken to Brian, they would very much like to do so. He is under no obligation to do so at this at point. This time. Police continue to urge the public to step forward with any information or leads that can offer answers to a situation that they describe as odd. So on the 14th, we would like for Brian to come forward and talk to us, but we can't make him yet. Right. Because he's not under arrest, so they mm -hmm. can't in any way compel him to come talk to them. Later that afternoon, the following statement is issued through Brian's lawyer from him and his family. This is the exact wording. This is an extremely difficult time for both the Petito family and the Landry family. And the Landry flam. And the laundry family. I understand that I understand that a search has been organized for Miss Petito in or near Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. On behalf of the Laundry family, it is our hope that the search for Miss Petito is successful and that Miss Petito is reunited with her family. On the advice of counsel, the Landry family is remaining in the background at this juncture and will have no further comment. The police spokesperson, great lawyer. The police spokesperson who spoke earlier announced that they had seized the white van over the weekend. He said, "We showed up. We see the vehicle. We take the vehicle. We make an attempt to talk with Brian, and his family declined. His family declined to make him available, and they gave us the information for his attorney." Day one. Immediately, he came home and lawyered up. Immediately. Later that same evening, on September, 7, or on September 14th at 7 p.m., Gabby's family released a statement. The Schmidt and Petito family, which Schmidt is... Um, her mom's new last name. Her mom's last name. The Schmidt and Petito family are going through the worst moments of their lives. Their beautiful 22-year-old daughter is missing, and the one person that can help find Gabby refuses to help. Brian is refusing to tell Gabby's family where he last saw her. Brian is also refusing to explain why he left Gabby all alone and drove her van to Florida. These are critical questions that require immediate answers. The Schmidt and Petito family begged the Landry family to not remain in the background, but to help find who Brian referred to as the love of his life. How does Brian stay in the background when he is the one person that knows where Gabby is located? The Schmidt and Petito family implore Brian to come forward and at least Tell us if we are looking in the right area. That's what's so awful, right? I'm just like, she could be literally anywhere. She could be anywhere. Between the Pacific Northwest and Florida, which is, if you're not familiar, because we have international listeners, those are two opposite corners of the country. And yes. America is huge. 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 So he, they were up in the top left of the country, and then he showed up in the bottom right of the country. And the Grand Tetons in Wyoming are also huge. Huge. On September 15th, the next day, this was Wednesday, Brian is named as a person of interest. Of course. The police are like, finally, person of interest. And Brian's attorney releases the following statement. Many people are wondering why Mr. Landry would not make a statement or speak with they law sure enforcement are. in the face of Miss Petito's absence. The, you're guilty. We not, we're not wondering. We can guess. Here's what the lawyer says. Go ahead. You're just so anxious. You just can't handle it. In my experience, intimate partners are often the first person law enforcement focuses their attention on in cases like this. And the warning that any statement will be made any statement made will be used against you is true, regardless of whether my client had anything to do with Miss Petito's disappearance. 
as such, on the advice of counsel, Mr. Landry is not speaking on this matter. I have been informed that the Northport, Florida police have named Brian as a person of interest in this matter. This formality has not really changed the circumstances of Mr. Landry being the focus and attention of law enforcement, and Mr. Landry will continue to remain silent on the advice of counsel. Because if he has... Mm. Oh, I know. It's infuriating. It's so infuriating because... Their best case scenario, best case scenario, he didn't kill her. He abandoned her somewhere and somebody else killed her. That is best, best case scenario. Or best case scenario is it was an accident and he fled because and he was he scared. left her. No matter what, he left her somewhere. Alive or not alive, he left her somewhere and came home across the country in her fucking her car. van. Went straight to mommy and daddy and lawyered up. And got a lawyer. One thing that I, because Come man, on. I, I haven't dug deep enough into who the fuck Brian is, but I just got to know how much money his parents have. How Oof. influential are his parents? What is that family's background? Because they are fucking covering for their son. They, yeah. This Bro. happened on Friday. I saw this news. I cannot handle this. Go ahead. I saw this news as I was about to start my opening night for my show. Brian Landry, as of Friday, is missing. Yep. He's a missing person. So now there are two searches happening. And who reported him missing? His His parents. parents. Here's what his parents said. His parents say that they haven't seen him since Tuesday. Apparently, he took the family's Mustang and he drove nearby to, I'm going to butcher the name of this place, Micahatchee, Micahatchee, it's M-Y-A-K-K-A-H-A-T-C-H-E-E, Micahatchee Creek, to go for a hike, because I guess that's what you do when the love of your life is missing, He's like, and you're not going to talk like, to the she police? went missing in the woods, like, I just feel like that's where I'm going to find her. <laughs> in the opposite, in the the opposite state. Yes. So he goes for a hike in these woods by this creek, takes the family's Mustang, And then at some point, his parents decide to drive out there. They see that the Mustang is in, like, the parking lot. And he's nowhere to be found. And they drive the Mustang home. Oh, my God. And then on Friday, they tell the police that he's missing. We do not know what day they went and got the Mustang. Now I know where he learned that behavior from. Where did he learn that behavior? From his parents. How many times do you think his parents left him somewhere? I don't know where that person is, but I guess I got to get this car home. I got to take the car back. It's exactly what he did. How many times do you think his parents left him somewhere where he's like, this is normal? He's like, this is just what you do. You just go home. You just, But you, you got to get the, the car, car home. home. Yes, this is what is happening. Two days. We're recording this on Sunday the 19th. Two days ago, this man was reported missing. By his, his parents, parents, who up until who, that point had been bankrolling him with the lawyer. And who had also, I guess, because they took the Mustang, they left him stranded there. And then they're like, oh, no, our son He'll is find missing. Way home. What? <laughs> what? <sighs> I have my theories, and I'm not, none of them are good. We'll get in. Yeah, we'll get into that because I have theories none too. Of them so are good. I'm so sorry. We're gonna, who knows? We'll learn more by the time this comes out next week. Yes, there probably will be an update. Um, so now there is a search going on for Gabby Both in Wyoming, them. and there's a search going on for fucking Brian in when there Florida. shouldn't be. Fuck him. But. Gabby's family released the following statement on Friday, and I think it's very important to read it because it's heartbreaking. 
All of Gabby's family want the world to know that Gabby is missing. Brian is not missing. He's Brian's in hiding. hiding. Gabby is missing. We want people to be looking for Gabby. We don't want people to be looking for Brian. Fuck Brian. He's he's either in hiding or, he's or he went and unalived himself. That's what a lot of people yeah. are suspecting is that he went and he. Because he realized there's no way he's going to get away with it. Yeah. Or. 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 He didn't do it. There's no way anybody's going to ever believe he didn't do it. Or he went. He left and he went somewhere else and his family has made up this lie that he's down here in this Micahatchee Missing Creek. Over here, yeah. So that everyone is everyone's searching Looking in that area. Him. People are speculating that he went back to try and further hide the body. People are speculating that he's he is somewhere else across the country entirely and his parents are doing this as a as a diversion. Well, he's gone international like he might have just fled the country. Who knows? One thing we do know is that his fucking parents are covering for whatever has happened. And it is appalling because Gabby lived with them for over a year. She lived with them. There was another statement that the parents released where they were like, she's your, she was going to be your daughter-in-law. You were at the engagement. You were so happy for them. How can you not tell us where she what you is? Know. Tell us what you know. Please stop. So now, since all of this has come out, we also have the internet. And TikTok has been doing a lot of digging. I'm sure. And a lot of people have been coming forward saying that they saw Brian between August 27th and September 1st at different places in the Wyoming, Utah area. Sure. So one woman who got, was a big one that happened, came out on TikTok and she said, that on August 20, August 29th, her name is Miranda Baker. She put her story on TikTok and then, of course, called the FBI. Or may, I, hopefully she called the FBI first and then put and then her story put on, TikTok. on TikTok. I hope that's what happened. Either way. She states that her and her boyfriend saw Brian Landry hiking alone on the 29th in Grand Teton National Park. They later discovered him hitchhiking along the side of the road, and they picked him up at 5.30 p.m. He allegedly offered them $200 to drive him 10 or so miles up the road. When Baker, when the woman said that they were actually heading to Jackson, she said that Landry freaked out and demanded that they drop him off immediately, and he got out of the car. That's a guy you'd remember. She's given information to law enforcement and they confirm that they have spoken with Miranda and are utilizing all of her information. So that is thought to be a solid lead. lead. So at some point in between Gabby's last message to her mom on the 30th, Brian was around hitchhiking the day before and day of. Alone. Alone. There's also been a few other people who have come forward and said that they saw him at a bar in Utah. I watched one guy's TikTok last night um, who said that him and his friends were at this bar in Utah and uh, they went from having dinner to moving to the bar area. And they noticed when they were at the bar area that there was a young man sitting at the end of the bar all by himself who seemed to be getting just like. Just gave off a creepy vibe. Yeah. Seemed, you know, sort of introverted on it. himself. Not with it. And um, the guy in the TikTok says, yeah, me and my friends started talking about, 
you know, things you probably shouldn't talk about in a bar, politics, guns, stuff like that. And it started getting Brian agitated. And he said that Brian spoke up and was saying things and that he did introduce himself as just his name was Brian. And he was kind of argumentative, but he kept to himself. And when this guy doing the TikTok and his friends left, they said that Brian was still at the bar. So who knows right now, as of Sunday, the 19th, I am on the the Gabby subreddit. I keep refreshing. I was up late last night looking at things. Nothing really big new has happened. The police have gained access to the tracking on their cell phones. They do not have access to their cell phones, but they have access to like the location services on their cell phones. But we don't know where Gabby is. There's been no correspondence with her since allegedly September 30th when she sent that text message to her mother. August 30th? August 30th when she sent that text message to her mother, which her mother does not believe. Uh, yeah, now is like that to be her. Yeah. her. There's people are speculating all over the internet. This whole thing has led people down a rabbit hole. When that body cam footage got released, people jumped on it. Gabby's best friend has come forward and described Brian as being incredibly controlling, um, slightly narcissistic behavior that Gabby and Brian, of course, had issues with fighting and had issues with, you know, getting in heated arguments. Yeah. And now he's gone. So no one really knows what's happening. No one knows where either of these two young people are. Yeah. It has gained national attention. People are even looking at things like her Spotify playlist and trying to analyze Spotify playlists. Like what she was listening to. Like what she curated. So you can see the playlists that people have made and people are looking through that, making speculations. Unfortunately, I have this gut feeling that this is going to be a JJ and Tylee situation and we are not going to like the outcome. Yeah. I do not believe that she's still alive. I agree. Though I sincerely hope hope. that I'm wrong. I sure hope she is. I've I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life. I hope that maybe maybe he tried to kill her and she's not dead and they're going to find her or she's going to, like in the movies, walk up to someone's house all bloody, knock on the door and she's going to be, you know, she's, She's going to be fine, fine physically speaking, but it just doesn't a few weeks seem at this point. likely. Yes. And with all of the actions that Brian and his family have taken tells me that they know what happened and, and they're covering. And in my him. mind, I keep trying to be like, I'm just like, what if he didn't though? Like, what if he didn't, what circumstances would lead to what's happening? Right. Where he's like, there's nothing I can say that won't make me sound bad because there has to be something bad. And like I said, best case scenario, he left her somewhere. It was an accident. Yeah. And not, like he didn't hurt her anything. Best yeah. case scenario. He just left her fucking somewhere and drove home in her car across the country. Cause he didn't know what else to do. That is Best, best case scenario. But that's what I'm thinking. Is I'm like, best case scenario, she fell off they the got, side of the cliff. They got in an and- argument, and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave you here, and he left her somewhere. That, to me, is best case. Yes. And oh, somebody else did something. you think totally just left her somewhere. Yes. That's oh. what I'm saying. Like, not even hurt her. Best case, The best case scenario is he didn't even hurt her. He just left her somewhere. And somebody, you know what I mean? And some something else happened. And he's like, there's nothing I can say that would justify what happened. And that's true. It wouldn't. 
but I don't think that's what happened. I'm just like best case scenario. I think he freaked he out. Could, the least guilty case scenario is something is he got in an argument with her and he just abandoned her somewhere. Yeah. And even that is not a good it's enough awful. answer. No. Correct. You don't do that. You don't do that in, in her the middle fucking of the woods vehicle. in her car. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, it's not a situation where she like ran away. And she was close with her family. That drive, mind you, that drive from where drive. they were to Florida, that is not like a six hour. That's not a one, two day drive by yourself. That is at least a week to drive from up there. That's how big that drive is, y'all. That's how huge America is. So, it would have taken a single person several days to get from the Pacific Northwest to Florida. So he, the thought, I think the timeline thought is that something happened with Gabby around the 27th, 28th. Yeah. He freaked and he tried to hitchhike away on the 29th. Realized for whatever reason, he couldn't. My parents told me I got to go back for the car. I got to get the car. So then he got the van and on the 29th or the 30th, He's on the road, but he, I would assume the man probably didn't stop. Because my thing is. And booked it because he got back. So the other, oh, the other, other, other thought is no one has fucking seen him except for his parents. And a lot of people are wondering. Maybe he's just at their house. Maybe he didn't go anywhere at all. Maybe he never showed up at their house. The police found the van at their house after September 11th, but they did not speak with Brian. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that, obviously. A lot of people are like, never, he brought the van he home never, and then he had a head start. And he, he left turned already. around and left already. Or he called mom and dad and they came and got the van for him and drove it back because that's what they <laughs> like to what do. They, do. <laughs> they met him halfway. Because my thing is, I'm like, it's not like that drive. When I say like it takes days, I mean, there's no no human being could make that drive without sleeping is what I'm getting at. From that corner to that corner. Like, that's how long it is. Because that means there were so many. It's not like he just zoned out and drove home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There were so many opportunities that he had to stop, eat, go to the bathroom, sleep, and get back on the road to Florida. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know because no one has spoken with him. No one has seen him other than his parents. So what if, yeah, what if he never even came home? What, what if, if he they never met him home? somewhere and took the van and he went somewhere else? Yep. We don't know. That's what's so wild about this case. And it's Because like, it's still happening, there's so, there's so much speculation. Now, obviously, it's like only a handful of these things did happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's something that happened to her, and something has happened with him. And he's gone. But because it's still open, and there's so many unanswered questions, the possibilities are endless. Yes. Really and truly, they're, they're not endless. There's what happened. <laughs> but we don't know anything about what happened, so now the potential is just huge. Yes. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it now, you know? And it's just like, it's, it's great. And the more you get down the rabbit hole of... Was he the one posting her last Instagram post? I definitely think he's the How one who sent back the message it go? to her mom. What day was actually the last the time last that post? she was alive? Oh, I mean. We don't know. We don't know. I mean. We don't know. We have speculation, but yeah, we don't know. So just to put it out there for all of our listeners who are following this case, who know anything about this case, who live out near Wyoming, Utah, 
There is a hotline set up, tip line. Please call. I know that it it is something that gained national attention, and part of it is because she is a five foot five, hundred and ten pound, blonde haired, blue eyed white girl with lots of Instagram followers. But, but that doesn't negate the fact that somebody's child is missing. This is a victim of a crime. And so, if you have any information, the hotline is one eight hundred call FBI. That's 1-800-225-5324 with any information that you might have about Gabby Petito or Brian Laundrie, any whereabouts. People, bear in mind, Brian Laundrie likes to walk around barefoot. That's a big thing. spot his weird ass out in the wild somewhere with no shoes on. Um, And Gabby has, she has a tattoo on her front bicep that's like a triangle geometric thing with a flower. She has a tattoo on her finger. So she's got a few visible tattoos that could maybe help identify her. But this case is just, it's insane. And it is happening right now. And when I, the day that I read on Friday that he had now gone missing was when I said, I have to cover this. Yeah. This has to be covered. And his parents, out of control. What are they hiding? Out Literally, of control. what are they hiding? Their son. They're hiding their son. Yeah. Because Brian is not missing. Brian is in, is in hiding. Yes. Gabby is missing. And that's where I want to leave it. Yeah. Fuck Brian. Find Gabby. Right. And I'm like, even if he's found dead, it's most likely because he killed himself because. And that's not fair. That he would never. I hate that. He would rather do that than seek justice. Mm-hmm. He, the heartbreaking thing, I think, from one of the from the parents statements is when they say, can you please at least tell us if we're looking in the right area? Really, though? That's that's awful. Just hot or cold. Tell me. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. You trust your daughter. With this man that you think is trustworthy and you trust her to go out and travel and he comes back without her. That's a nightmare. And. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's why I'm just like. There's so many things I'm like, I don't want to make light of the situation at all. But. Not to make light of it. Do not let your daughters date a man named Brian. Just don't. Honestly, y'all. I'm not trying to make a joke. Like, I'm so serious. We, Sarah and I have so much Brian related trauma. (laughs) I'm not kidding. We really, so now we laugh. But really, I'm just like, yeah, his name's fucking Brian. Here's like, I needed another story of how literally evil men named Brian are. I will say this all of my bad experiences with Brian's have been Brian's with an I. Not Brian's with a Y. I don't. That is also true. Yes. I, mine is Brian's I, with an I. I don't know if I've ever really known any Brian's with a Y. I've known. I There was one guy who be, started working at Earthbread before shit hit the fan there. And he was a precious little baby angel. And but he, he was, was a Brian, Brian with, with a y. y. Yes. Yeah. Brian's with eyes will break your heart and kill your daughters. Done. Done. Truly. Like <laughs> not, again, not trying to make a joke, but literally like. And their parents don't. are rich and will cover up for them. That's don't. what I'm learning. Oh, my God. That's what I'm learning. Just don't. So this I'm episode so is being recorded on September 19th on a Sunday. Uh, it obviously will be airing on September 23rd. Next Thursday, I think, is the, that's the day. So some more information, some more information will might drop. Out between now and then. I will try to be posting those on our Instagram. Um, but... 
go follow the subreddit. If you're not also following the Lori and Chad subreddit, go follow the Lori and Chad subreddit. Things are happening over there too. They are being brought to justice and hopefully whatever happened with Gabby, Brian will be just. And honestly, his parents, I want his parents brought to justice. Destruction of justice of nothing else. Oh my God, of course. If nothing else. The fact that the fucking lawyer is like, well, I'm telling Brian not to speak to y'all because law enforcement always looks at the partner and Brian definitely did that he's doing his job. Uh, I'm How not do you saying sleep at night. I know. There you go. I was How like, I'm not saying he's a, I stand he's a by person. his moral. <laughs> I'm just saying he's doing it. They got the money. They got a good lawyer. They got a good lawyer. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So, yeah, that's what's happening there. That's our, our latest. Tell us your thoughts. Real you know life. How- Please you jump in the you comments. That. Tell us what you, you can thought. come in the comments. You can email us at deadtime stories with a Z at gmail.com. We're ready for more information. We're ready to talk about it. We have questions. You have questions. Let's hopefully we'll ruminate get some together. Answers. Hopefully we'll get some answers. And again, if you have any information, please call 1-800-225-5324. Yeah. If you have information, don't email us, please. I mean, I email do it us after. after the call. The phone call has to come first. Call the FBI before you email Deadtime Stories. Then email us. And then tell us what that was like. I don't know. Honestly, I've never talked to the FBI. Call the FBI and then like record and do a transcript of your conversation. <laughs> Send it to us. No, don't do that. But call the FBI if you have any information about Gabby or Brian wow. and their, where they might be. Wild. Wild. Email us, deadtimestories at gmail.com. Check out our website, deadtimestories.com. Write us a review, five stars on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Join our Patreon. I don't really have anything else to say. You know what it is. This is that's wild, right? I'm I'm like just refreshing the subreddit. To I know, see and if I'm anything like, broke I, while we're talking. I have to pee when we're done recording this episode, and I'm obviously going to be googling it while I'm in there. It looks like nothing crazy. Big has happened just yet. No new, like, here's where he was last seen. No. All right. Well, I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Help us find Gabby. And fuck Brian's. All of them. them. Like, don't fuck them. They're terrible. Do you think we have any Brian listeners who are going to be like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let a Brian talk to me. Hey, everyone. Sarah here. Coming at you with an update. To be honest, I didn't think that I'd have an update for you so soon. And in reality of when this Well, these events unfolded, it was way sooner than you are even hearing it. Unfortunately, hearing this update means that it's not exactly the best news. So I'm coming at you with an update on the Gabby Petito case that you probably just listened to. If you didn't just listen to it and you're hearing this, I'm a little confused. What did you do? Did you just skip ahead? I don't understand. Anyway, we're here now. We recorded this episode on Sunday, September 19th, and we recorded earlier in the day. And this was the first episode that we recorded, and next week's episode was recorded right after this one. So when you listen to the beginning of next week's and I talk about bringing you an update, don't worry, you're not going crazy. 
all of these things sort of happened out of order. But so many things unfolded in between when we recorded on Sunday and when I am giving you this audio content on Thursday that I felt I needed to jump in and give everyone an update on what has happened. So unfortunately, on Sunday, September the 19th, at around 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which was also around the same time that we finished totally wrapping recording for the day, uh, so the timing is just terrible, On Sunday evening, in a remote wooded area of the Grand Teton National Park and Bridger Teton National Forest, specifically an area known as the Spread Creek Dispersed Camping Area, human remains were located and recovered, consistent with the description of Gabrielle Gabby Petito. The Teton County Coroner Dr. Brent Blue confirmed the remains are those of Gabby's. The coroner's initial determination for the manner of death is homicide. The cause of death remains pending final autopsy results, and it is believed that she passed away between August 27th to August 30th. Obviously, this is not the update that any of us were hoping for. I mentioned in the episode that I felt I was jumping onto this story sort of at a point that I missed during the JJ and Tylee story, And there was a part of me that really hoped that they were going to find Gabby alive, something. But I also think that most of us who have been following this story have felt this truth deep in our gut the entire time. Gabby passed away long before Brian ever showed up at his parents' house and long before Gabby's mother ever reported her missing. It is incredibly sad. To this day which this day is Wednesday, September 22nd, at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Brian Laundrie is still at large. He is not missing. He is in hiding. He is running. And he has most likely been helped by his parents, who are still refusing to speak and cooperate with the police. At this point, unfortunately, we are no longer searching for Gabby, but now we are searching to try and bring Gabby some justice. So before I mentioned, if you knew anything about Gabby or had any information, please contact 1-800-CALL-FBI. Now let's switch it. And if you have seen a very basic-ass-looking, bald, white man with or without a beard who sometimes likes to walk fucking barefoot... Brian Landry, if you've seen him or you've seen anything that indicates his presence, any information, please reach out. Please call 1-800-CALL-FBI, 1-800-225-5324. Any other info, if you felt like submitting via the internet, can be submitted via tips.fbi.gov. Any pictures... Anything, any information you might have will be of help. It has recently come to light the entire 911 call that was placed by the worker at the, as I called it, Utah version of Whole Foods. And it turns out that that 911 call paints things in a very different light than what I had originally reported. It paints things as though Brian was the one instigating the physical violence 
that he had slapped and hit Gabby, and that he did indeed intend to drive off and leave her there in the parking lot if she had not fought and scrambled her way back into the van. If you've been keeping up with this case on the internet before hearing it on this podcast, you're probably very aware of all of these facts. If you just heard about it today on the podcast, I am so sorry to be coming to you with this very sad outcome. This is not the end of my covering this story, much like Tylee and JJ, I will be following this until some form of justice is found, and hopefully Brian will be found, and I really hope that Brian is found alive and that he can be held accountable for what he's done, and I hope that the truth of what happened to Gabby comes to light. We also mentioned in this episode that as much as we, slash I, mainly I, as much as I wanted to cover this story, I also had to realize that that this story was gaining so much traction and so much attention because this was a small, attractive, white woman. We here at Dead Time Stories have tried very hard to educate not only ourselves, but our listeners. We try to be better. I myself am a fully white woman who is learning every single day. And with that being said, as much as I wanted to bring light to Gabby's case, it is also very very important to bring light to how many other missing persons are in America slash in the Wyoming area alone. And we don't hear about these cases because they consist of indigenous peoples and peoples of color. We need to shed as much light on these cases as we did on this one case for this one white woman. It doesn't negate what Gabby went through and it doesn't negate her validity as a victim but we do need to be paying attention. I wanted to point out the names of a few people who have been missing for a while in and around the Western U.S. First one is Daniel Robinson. Daniel has been missing since June. Daniel was a 24-year-old geologist who was last seen leaving the job site in Buckeye, Arizona. His Jeep was found crashed in a ravine in July. However, Daniel himself has not yet been found. Any information that can be provided could be directed to the Buckeye Police Department. His father is very worried and would love to try and find his son. Maya Millette. Maya is a mother of three who has been missing for over nine months. She was last seen visiting her family home in Chula Vista, California, near San Diego. Any information about Maya or her whereabouts can also be directed to the San Diego Police Department. Jelani Day. Jelani is a 25-year-old grad student in Illinois who was last seen on August 24th. It hasn't even been a month. Jelani was last seen in Bloomington, Illinois. His car was found a day later in a wooded area about 60 miles away from Bloomington, but Jelani has not been found. Any information that could help Jelani's mother track down her son would be greatly appreciated and can be directed to the Bloomington Police Department. These are just three of thousands of cases of missing people that we don't hear about and that are not pushed to the front of the media because they are not white. There is also a movement that I would love to direct all of our listeners to, and this is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Movement, acronymed as MMIW. 
at least 710 indigenous persons, mainly girls, have been missing in Wyoming from 2011 to 2020. On top of that, currently there is an estimated 64,000 to 75,000 black women and girls missing in the United States alone. All these families plead for the same amount of attention as the Petito case. We want to be better at dead time stories. We want to educate ourselves as well as our listeners. We would like to shine more light on these missing persons cases. We urge all of our listeners to please do research into the MMIW movement. Their website provides more information and other ways that you can get involved. As sad as Gabby's case is, maybe one positive that can come from it would be to bring a little more attention to the other people in need. I will continue to follow this case. Maybe I'll have an update for you next week. Hopefully they'll find Brian. I am saddened that it is such unfortunate news to have to wrap up this story, especially a story that I feel has been so fresh for myself because I have been covering it real time almost every single day. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for sticking in this far. And next week, we will be back with more shenanigans and some happier, well, it is dead time story, so, you know, take it as you will, but um, happier-ish stories next week. And then after that, don't forget, it's G-G-G-G-Guestilberfest. So keep tuning in, and thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.